Welcome to this clinical law briefing. My name is Robert Wheeler. I work in Southampton as a children's surgeon and clinical lawyer and hope this podcast concerning a legal aspect of clinical life will interest you. This briefing reviews how clinicians communicate risks in words or numbers. We are becoming increasingly familiar with the identification of risks that need to be disclosed when seeking consent for treatment. Previously, we relied upon an arbitrary numerical cut-off expressed as a threshold percentage to determine what we would or would not disclose. But we are now accustomed instead to ask ourselves what the reasonable person in our patient circumstances would want to know. In addition, there may be specific topics that must be disclosed to the particular patient in front of you. Reminiscent of the patient who wanted especially to know whether surgery on one eye could lead to the loss of sight in the other. And you might want to go back to the disclosing the minuscule risk for consent in the bulletin list to read that. For the moment, pinpointing risk is thus more or less straightforward. But how should we communicate these risks to patients? Mr Ollison suffered chronic disabling testicular pain after vasectomy in 2012. He claimed he was not given adequate information about the risk of this complication. Properly informed, he would have avoided undergoing the surgery. During a subsequent trial in the High Court, general practitioners accustomed to performing vasectomy acted as expert witnesses. Both gave evidence as to what they would normally disclose prior to seeking consent for vasectomy. They agreed that Risks such as an infected hematoma or chronic scrotal pain and testicular atrophy should be disclosed, together with perhaps a 2% incidence of post-vasectomy pain severe enough to interfere with quality of life and daily activities and work. Those are their words. In relation to practice in 2012, which of course is when this all happened, the experts agreed that as a substitute for setting out population risk as percentages, the use of words such as a small possibility of post-vasectomy pain which can be chronic was commonplace and an appropriate way of describing long-term pain. Two urologists also provided expert evidence. Now their approach differed from the general practitioners since they both preferred to communicate risk using percentages. One viewed the use of a word such as small as liable to a variety of interpretations, failing to distinguish risks that were low in frequency from those which were low in severity. By contrast, expressing risk in percentages gives at minimum an idea of frequency. The other urologists acknowledged that reasonable patients would accept 1-2% to as a small percentage, but reiterated the point that a small possibility should not hint at a small impact. Recognising that Mr Ollison had been extremely unlucky, the judge found nevertheless that taking all the facts of the case into consideration, the patient had been adequately informed of the risk. Focusing on the adequacy of describing a risk as small, the court found this to be a satisfactory method of communicating risk. The judge accepted that the word means different things to different people, but small remains a word that encompasses and satisfactorily conveys the level of risk involved. The judge was less comfortable with the use of the alternative adjective of rare 
although did not give his reasons for this distinction. Perhaps it's because the word emphasises exceptionality and infrequency, tempting us towards a point where the entity described as rare disappears altogether. In contrast to the way that small indicates a modest but finite, undeniable measure of risk. None of these semantics should obscure the obvious point, that percentages can be used freely if the clinician so chooses, and this well may become necessary should a patient seek clarification of the small risk. The case provides rare judicial guidance that it is perfectly acceptable to describe the instance of risks and complications in everyday words rather than using statistics. Whilst awaiting the patient's reaction prior to introducing numeric descriptions of the population risk, if needs be. I hope this was useful, but if you would prefer to read rather than to listen to me, by all means look at the Clinical Law website on the UHS webpage, or type Clinical Law into a search engine.